What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. It's Friday, July 16th. I'm Akila Hughes. And I'm Gideon Resnick, and this is What a Day, the podcast that when you download it will cause ransomware software to avoid your computer. <laughs> yeah, half the code in each of those ransomware viruses is devoted to avoiding WAD listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, please don't interpret this to mean we are friends with these cyber hackers. Yeah, I don't know them, but I feel like they did a cool thing here. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this was great. I don't know them either. I just want to be clear. <laughs> Today, we're dedicating our entire show to a major passion project for conservatives across the country, which has put educators and students into the crosshairs, the teaching of what is called critical race theory. Yeah, and at its heart, it's the idea of explaining how systemic racism has persisted in our country's policies and laws throughout history. The concept is not at all new. For example, banks have historically been more likely to deny mortgages to black people in America. That had consequences impacting where black people could live, what kinds of schools their kids could go to, what kind of community they could build, and more. That racist system is part of the country's history. That's right. But using a phrase like critical race theory to describe it is a relatively new phenomenon. And conservatives around the country are so unbelievably triggered by it that many have moved to ban it from being talked about in public classrooms, in various state agencies, and more. In fact, lawmakers in 26 states have either banned or are trying to ban critical race theory in some form. Teachers themselves say this political effort is only going to hurt children in the end. For instance, here's Randy Weingarten, the president of the nation's second biggest teachers union, the American Federation of Teachers, speaking last week. These cultural warriors want to deprive students of a robust understanding of our common history. This will put students at a disadvantage in life by knocking a big hole in their understanding of our country and the world. I should add also that Weingarten said that her union has a $12.5 million legal defense fund ready to challenge any bans in court as well. There you go. Uh, But we wanted to hear from two educators themselves about how a ban on critical race theory might affect their own students. So joining me are Valencia Ann Abbott, the social studies department chair and a history teacher at Rockingham Early College High School in Wentworth, North Carolina, and Megan Doherty, an instructional coach of social studies at McNeil High School and Deer Park Middle School in the Austin suburb of Round Rock, Texas. She helps to develop the curriculum that teachers in her district use. To the both of you, welcome to WAD. Thank Thank you for having me. So critical race theory has become a sort of boogeyman in conservative circles, as I'm sure you know. But as educators, is there any easy way you've been able to identify what they actually mean by the term? Valencia, I guess we'll start with you. Really, until all of this came about the last couple of weeks, I had no idea what critical race theory was. I know where it originated. And from what I understand, it's in the 1980s. It had to deal with law school and defining how race was used in systems. Mm -hmm. I know that I've read some of the, um, the authors, but I've never taken a critical race theory class. Mm -hmm. I've never 
to my knowledge taught race theory. <laughs> I, I'm not even trained to to do that. Same question for you, Megan. What, what do you think that they are even specifically trying to talk about? From observing it from Texas, recently there was a tweet that was posted from one of the policy institutes here in Texas about key terms, right, buzzwords that people should be attuned to to identify critical race theory. And they included terms like colonialism, identity, culturally responsive pedagogy. These are all really solid educational practices that really help us reach the needs, meet the needs of all of our students. And that's what's particularly troubling to me is that in the inability or the the desire to even morph or, or change what critical race theory even is and means, they're trying to create this like broader spectrum of things that we as educators should not be addressing in classrooms, but are actually really good practices that help engage students to, from a diversity of backgrounds and, and experiences. Yeah. And both of you don't plan to change the way you're teaching anything at all, uh, even when faced with a ban. So I'll start with you again, Valencia. Why do you feel that way? Because I'm a history teacher and I teach the truth. And I've been an educator uh, 17 wow. years. When I started getting more students that were of Hispanic and Latino backgrounds, then I started incorporating more of that history into my mm -hmm. curriculum. Uh, when it was brought to my attention by a student that um, she did not see her Asian ancestry in the curriculum, then I made a concerted effort to make sure that I started including more of those narratives and those stories in my classroom. Again, I'm going to follow the standard, mm -hmm. but I am going to teach those different perspectives mm -hmm. um, based on the courses that I have to teach. Megan, same question for you. I uh, was in an actual training today that um, we have some new ethnic studies courses that are coming out in Texas. You know, Mexican-American students, African-American students, when they learn their own history, they're more engaged, they perform better, mm -hmm. they, they feel more connected to the curriculum. And don't we want that experience for our students? Teachers that are planning to teach this are really concerned about, you know, how, how am I going to address some of these things, given some of the parameters around what we can and can't talk about. And for right now, I feel that the standards, the state standards still support teachers in teaching a more comprehensive approach to history. Right. It comes down to almost a conflict between do we teach to the standards or do we teach to this new law? Most of the teachers that I talk to tell me they will continue to teach the way they have always done because they're not out there trying to indoctrinate kids. They're not out there trying to right. you know, make kids believe a certain perspective. Mm -hmm. They are there to help kids understand the conflicts and the, com the complex history of our, of our country and to allow students to come to their own understandings about their particular points of view and perspectives and identities. And I, I would like to add, when I go into the classroom, I, first day, I tell my students, my favorite word is think. That is absolutely my favorite word in the classroom. And the other thing is that I'm going to use primary sources mm -hmm. and they're going to draw their own conclusions based on the evidence. Right. And I think that that's what good teaching is. Yeah. 
So, Megan, uh, the way the bill is written in your state of Texas, students wouldn't even be able to write their legislators as part of a classroom project, which is something that (laughs) I've done. I think most people who are over the age of 25 did in school. Uh, So there's also another piece of legislation on top of that that would make educators publish their lesson plans online every month. How does that actually impact teachers' work? So it's interesting about the legislation in HB 3979, which is the bill that was cut signed by the governor at the end of May, beginning of June. And that included the moratorium or whatever, the ban on students contacting representatives, any elected representative as a part of a project, even for extra credit in a classroom. And it was funny because I did some house visits. I visited some, some representatives' offices early in the session. And at one point I was talking to a staffer and I was like, so did you ever write? a letter to your representative or or anyone? And he's like, yeah, I wrote a letter to the president and I got a letter back when I was in fifth grade. And I was like, yeah, see, it's a common thing. I bet you enjoyed getting that letter back. And he was like, "Mm." Yeah, he's like, oh, I guess that's what we're banning. Yeah, I mean, I just don't understand a, a world where, or a country where civics is allegedly the most important thing, you know, to be taught. And it is something that we have the benefit of teaching in schools, yet they are undermining it at every turn. It's, it's very disappointing. Uh, the other component that you were asking about with the teachers submitting all materials, lesson materials, that is part of a proposed bill right now. We're in the middle of the special session. So yes. we don't really know which direction the special session is going to go right now because it's gotten really interesting. Yeah, the Democrats are gone. <laughs> so it might not get passed, hopefully not. But that would add, I think, a lot to the workload. And I think it all just comes down to this idea that people believe that teachers are indoctrinating students and they want to put, you know, eyes on on teachers as much as possible and know everything that teachers are doing. And this idea that if a teacher is encouraging students to write a legislator is because it's on a specific issue that the teacher cares about, or they're going to try to persuade the students to write on a certain agenda. I have never encountered that ever. That's Megan Doherty in Texas and Valencia Ann Abbott in North Carolina. Hold on for a moment because I'd like to pick up the conversation and ask you both about what lessons might look like if you did have to follow these laws to a T. But first, let's take a break for some ads. What a Day is brought to you by Viore. Viore Performance Apparel makes the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift. Everything is designed to work out in, but it doesn't look or feel like it. And they're incredibly comfortable and cute and just the perfect thing to wear when I'm working from home or out and about, mostly at home, because I'm not out and about. Yeah, yeah. I will say, I did not know clothes could be, this is, I'm being dead honest, I did not know clothes could be as comfortable as they are before I had Viore. Yes. Clothes can be so comfortable. Nobody told me. Smooth like butter, soft. So good. On the skin. I I just love living in Viore. Viore is offering What A Day listeners 20% off your first purchase when you go to viore.com slash wad. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash wad. And enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. What a Day is brought to you by Monarch Money. Are you saving for a down payment, a wedding, a dream vacation? Monarch makes it easy to help you reach your financial goals. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, your investments, transactions, and more all in one place. You can create custom budgets, track your progress towards financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. It really just makes it easy. 
After trying out Monarch for yourself, you'll understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash wad. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash wad for your extended 30-day free trial. What a Day is brought to you by Ramp. We are all looking for ways to simplify our finances. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that true? Or <laughs> tax week? Man. That is why there's Ramp. Ramp is a corporate card and spend management software designed to help you save time and put money back in your pocket. Two things we love to do. Love that. With Ramp, you are able to issue cards to every employee with limits and restrictions and automate expense reporting so you can stop wasting time at the end of every month. Wow. This is huge. Yeah. Ramp is super easy to use. Get started and start making payments in less than 15 minutes. And now get $250 when you join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash wad, ramp.com slash wad, R-A-M-P dot com slash wad. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank, members FDIC, terms and conditions apply. We're back with educators Valencia Ann Abbott and Megan Doherty, and we're talking about the impact that the countrywide politicization of critical race theory is having on them and their students. Valencia, what do you think students could miss out on if you didn't teach history like the way you're used to and instead stuck to what these bands are trying to say? Well, uh, I'm preparing for a presentation for the Black Educators Conference uh, in about two weeks. And I was reading uh, Martin Luther King's Where Do We Go Mm -hmm. From Here? In this book, he's talking about how um, Black children are deprived when they don't know their history. Mm -hmm. And then how white children are deprived when they don't know Black history because they only get this one view of what African-Americans look like. I was like, oh, my God, this is, what, 35 whatever years ago, and we're still having the same conversation. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, nearly 60 at this point. We are are getting up there, you know, and uh, it's wild that it seems like as many steps forward as we take, we're still consistently, I think, you know, people who are invested in the truth fighting against people who don't want it to be shared um, in the classroom. Megan, I want to go to you for a second. So part of your worry about critical race theory laws isn't exactly punishment from the state or the district, but how it could influence parents. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? The concern I have around this this bill is teachers were grappling with how do we teach some of these things? How do we address these issues in, my, in our classrooms? How do we help support kids in having these critical conversations? And, you know, we did have an incident where a parent was upset about a teacher teaching about implicit bias, I looked over the lesson plan myself afterwards and it was completely aligned to the state standards. So the teacher was doing her job, but the parent, because again, this rhetoric around critical race theory, implicit bias, all these terms, systemic racism have become such buzzwords and such trigger words that now if a parent sees that kind of language coming up in a lesson, even if that lesson is aligned to our current standards, mm-hmm. they're, they're sounding an alarm. With that in mind, is, is this also a problem of getting the parents up to speed on like what the actual curriculum is? I, I do. So my mother works at a school to be transparent. And it does seem like, you know, part of the job of educators and people in schools, like administrators, what have you, is getting the parents up to speed on what is current. And it does seem like a lot of parents are finding out what their kids are learning about from the news. But do you think that there's a way that schools can educate parents as well in this? Is there even a responsibility to do so? I really don't know if those parents that are upset or have that one way of thinking will truly change their mind no matter what's presented Mm -hmm. to them. 
there was an issue. Well, the parent thought that there was an issue, had the parent conference and, and all of that. The student after the parent conference came to apologize for the behavior of the mother. They recognized this. So, and that's who I owe allegiance to, to the students. Dealing with the parents and, and all of that, yes, that is part of my job, but my job is to be the best teacher for my students. In all of the critical race theory hoopla in the media, you know, the real centering of the conversation is on the feelings of white children in history classrooms and a guilt that they would take on or, you know, something about how it would affect them to hear, you know, about segregation even. That's the latest thing in, te- in uh, Florida. They don't necessarily want to teach that anymore, which seems like the ultimate goal. Why do you think, you know, there's no further discourse about how not teaching that would affect brown and black students uh, who are in the classroom? I mean, I'll go first quickly. I'm sure Valencia has a lot to add uh, because we've always prioritized the needs and priorities of white parents. I know it sounds hard, harsh to say. Uh, I've been in the education system for 15, 16 years now. I've seen quite a few different things, anywhere from school boundary disputes about, you know, which school is my kid going to go yeah. to? And I, and honestly, I've seen over and over again where the voices of black and brown parents and students are marginalized and not listened to and that district leadership or school leadership is much more responsive to demands from white parents. Um, I'm going to just say ditto. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But when I'm in the classroom, I, one of the things that I want to convey to my students is that history will make you mad. It will make you sad. I explained to them when I read the book, The Last Slave Ship, I told them that I cried every single chapter when I had to read this in grad school because it just tore me Mm -hmm. up. That's part of the process that it is not all rainbows and unicorns uh, in history and it's not all of the good things and that we're going to get through this and that in the end, it's all going to be Mm -hmm. worth it. That's how come we go to these Mm -hmm. workshops. That's how come we learn these things, how to teach it, how to introduce topics. How are you going to introduce slavery? Mm -hmm. How am I going to talk about Nat Turner when I have white students in my classroom and black students and Hispanic students in in my classroom? That is, again, why teachers are professionals. If I could add to what Valencia just said, too, I I think that that's the, the core benefit of a social studies education is exactly what she's talking about, learning how to have conversations that are difficult and emotional. And if we can help teach kids how to listen to other people, how to understand different viewpoints, how to support their arguments with evidence, how to have empathy, wouldn't that make our society such a better place rather than to say, oh, this makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't want to talk about it and just shut down a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Lack of mo- emotional intelligence. Right. Amen. Thank you. And I think that like, you know, that's the one thing that you know, I'm really taking away from this conversation is that we have a lot of reactionaries who have really low emotional intelligence, meaning they do not want to engage 
at any level. And, you know, the job or part of the job of a history teacher or people who are getting teachers prepared for a new school year is to, you know, help those students have the emotional intelligence to hear information and not let it be devastating and not have them close their ears and, you know, just start screaming, you know, like, uh, so I really applaud you both for the work that you do. And I'm sorry that you all have to deal with a government that's not especially supportive right now. It's making me not nervous because I'm going to do my job, um, but I am more concerned going into this school year than I've ever been in my 17 years. I don't know what this is going to mean, and I don't know what this means as far as my ability to continue to be a teacher. Yeah. Is, is is raising a lot of questions um, for my own health, for my own sanity to continue to do this. And that makes me feel guilty um, that I would leave my students. It makes me feel nervous. I, I just have a lot of questions. But as long as I have this position, I'm going to continue to do the job to the best of my ability. Yeah. Well, if you'll have us, we would love to check in in, you know, a few months <laughs> to see how things are going. Um, so, yeah. Thank you, Valencia and Megan. You all have really just been so open and generous with your time to talk about this. And, you know, we are we are rooting for teachers and history and evidence and and, you know, just getting this country to a place where we can hear those things. So thanks again. Thank you for having having me. Thank you again. We'll have more on this in our show notes so you can read more from our guests on this and get up to speed on where things stand in every state. And that's the latest for now. One more thing before we go. It's Friday, Wad Squad, and today I have some news. So take a name. After more than 400 episodes, a pandemic, a race war, attacks on our rights, an election, an insurrection, hurricanes, fires, floods, and Derek Chauvin going to jail, I'm going to be leaving What a Day on July 30th. And there are plenty of reasons to go. So daily news is really tough, and our team is smaller than every other daily news show out there. So that means we are working all of the hours, paying attention to the news on our days off, and trying our best to bring you strong commentary about the news as it comes in. And we do it because the Wad Squad is big and smart and active and helpful and good. And we've been able to keep you all informed and also been able to raise money together to help flip Georgia, gain the majority in the Senate, uh, and send aid to people who really need it. The reason I was able to make it this long is because of you all. So after two years of, you know, that pace of work, I'm going to do something a little radical and prioritize my mental health. And that means stepping away from the news. Working on What a Day has been the privilege of a lifetime. The conversations that I get to have on the show with excellent changemakers and teachers and activists is only one facet of how great this job has been. I also get to talk to you all on social media, and you all even bring us the news from time to time. And this team is exceptional. We're more than coworkers or co-hosts, we're friends. And I know that the reason you, the audience, have accepted me with open arms is because I'm propped up by the most talented, driven, funny, and open-minded people I have ever met. So I have to thank Sonia, John, Charlotte, Katie Long, and most recently our showrunner, Leo, who joined up at a very intense time and has been rolling with the punches ever since. 
And before I wrap it up, I have to say thank you to Giddy. Co-hosting is not easy, and you've been so wonderful to work with, whether you were presenting excellent reporting or just making space for me to monologue about horrific events. This show only works because you're here, and I really can't wait to see what you and the rest of the team do with it. So... While this chapter of my crooked story is coming to a close, Wad is still going to be here bringing you the best daily news podcast available, and you're still going to hear me on the network from time to time. And there are a lot of really, really amazing projects that I'm working on right now that I can't wait to share with you all when I can. I know you're going to love it, so it's not goodbye. It's see you around. Well, uh, script says react briefly here. I don't know how brief I should be or how long I should go. Um, Speak it, man. <laughs> Gila, this has been uh, like the most unbelievable experience. Um, I wouldn't have done it with anybody else. If it wasn't you, um, this has been, you know, a challenge and a joy. Um, you have been a wonderful person to work with as a co-host, a wonderful person to hear from on a daily basis. Um, and really, like, I'm just glad that I can count you as a friend, um, you know, when this is all said and done. So um, thank you. And um, yeah, uh, uh, you're not going to get rid of me. So I hope uh, <laughs> at least not for the next two weeks. Right? No, yeah, definitely not. Um, <laughs> but yeah, thank you. That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, join me in being sad that Akilah is leaving, but happy about what is next for her. It's going to be sick as hell and tell your friends to listen. And if you're into reading and not just major personal announcements <laughs> like me, what a day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Akilah Hughes. I'm Gideon Resnick. And Wad, Wad Squad, Squad forever. forever. Oh my gosh. In a studio? <laughs> in crazy. unison? It's crazy. Forever? <laughs> yeah, I almost waited too long to do it because I'm used to the Zoom lag, but yeah. here we are. <laughs> it's perfect. What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Charlotte Landis. Sonia Tun and Jazzy Marine are our associate producers. Our head writer is John Milstein and our executive producers are Leo Duran, Akila Hughes, and me. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. Oh my goodness. Wow. Wow. You know, would you like a tissue? <laughs> <laughs> Why are smart businesses graduating to NetSuite by Oracle? Because NetSuite eliminates the expense of multiple business systems by consolidating your operations together into one. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite reduces IT costs because it lives in the cloud with no hardware required, so you can access it from anywhere. You cut the cost and headaches of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. Bringing all your major business processes into one platform improves efficiency, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. You'll see how you'll profit with NetSuite, too. And now, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Just go to netsuite.com slash podcast25 for more information. That's netsuite.com slash podcast25.
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 